Take your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Go figure. Uh, we're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians. And as you go to the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, we're going to be looking in chapter 15. Chapter 15 is taking us some time uh, to get through. It's a very long chapter, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of information there within that chapter. Uh, a lot of information about the resurrection. And really, if you go back a couple of Wednesdays ago, which it's been several, uh, you'll remember it started out with the gospel. And that is, is that Paul shares with the people of Corinth, he shares with them a very plain understanding. And so what you, you and I can do with that of our, with, with that of our Bibles is you, could, you can go there and you could actually, that be your go-to verses to be able to share the gospel. And that is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then later on down, if you remember, it says, uh, like, like in verse 13 of chapter 15, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, there, uh, it says, then, then is Christ not... It's, hold on, I've got to get my glasses on. That's bad. Then Christ is not risen. And what happens... I'll tell you why. Okay, listen. So I took, I took my kids to the, doctor, to the doctors, okay? And uh, it was like an initial visit. And the doctors have got this cool thing now that they can shoot your eyes with. And they can tell you what your vision is pretty good, all right? So I've been arguing with Melanie. I'm like, look, my vision's good. I don't know what you're talking about. I just need some readers. You know, I've always had like 20-20. Like, like, like the doctor one time told my mama, if he says he sees a mosquito 100 yards on a light pole, believe him. It's there. So I said, look, what are you doing with that? She goes, well, we're scanning their eyes. We're seeing what their vision is. I said, shut your mouth. And so she scanned my eyes. And I said, what have I got? And she, <laughs> she kind of laughed. She said 2060, and she said you might want to go get your eyes checked. So anyhow, uh, my eyes are not good, y'all. I did not realize that. And anyhow, I need these. Like a minute ago, looking at the Bible, it's, it's, it's no good anymore. Uh, but now I can see way back there. Like Joshua's not making faces at me. You're not making face at me, see? So I can see that stuff. I just cannot read my Bible anymore, and that's bad. So let's start back out again. And so what happens is in chapter 15 is he shares the gospel, but then he says, look, if there be no resurrection, then our, our faith, our hope, it's in vain. And then he goes in. If you remember, we, we've walked through and we've talked about different, uh, di different views or different points of that of the resurrection. And then tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to start with verse 29. We're going to go through to verse 34. And what he does is he does three simple things here to the people of Corinth. Because what's happened is, is there's been some heresies that have been brought into the church. Some false teachings, okay? Some, uh, some teachings that have been mingled with that of the world, uh, which you and I, we need to be on guard for all the time, all right? It's not something that you and I let our guard down ever. Even on a Sunday morning, I believe my pastor is solid. I believe he's true. But I would tell you that it would do us well to always be on guard because it is, it is the best for us to do. All right. That means no matter where you go, if I go to Snowbird, I'm on, I'm on guard. If, if I take y'all today, I was talking to someone and they said, Hey, are y'all going to such and such or such and such? No, I don't go there anymore. How come? Man, because, because of the teachers, the teaching is so woke, it's so crazy that I don't want to bring my kids back and have to clean up a mess. So no, we don't go there no more. 
And what happens is, is the heresies have been brought in and it's a teaching that uh, you can baptize people uh, after they're dead. Much like what the Mormons teach. The Mormons teach in proxy baptism, I think is what it's called. And, the, and in that baptism, what happens is, is they go back and like they baptize for people that have been dead uh, hundreds of years ago. Like, like, like there's people uh, like a Matt or a Wilder, all right? Th that guy will go, and that guy used to, before he was converted to Christianity, he would go in the mornings, and what they would do is you would just be baptized over and over and over in the name of so-and-so, I baptize you, in the name of so-and-so. And what they're doing is they believe that by baptizing that individual, then you bring, and they use this scripture, that what they're doing is they're actually allowing that person a way into heaven because of their baptism for the dead. Another, another belief with the scripture that we're getting ready to read is that what they would do is someone would be on their deathbed and someone would go underneath the bed and they would actually uh, speak for the individual that is dying on their deathbed. And, they, and, and they, they would stand in place of the person that was dying. Again, a baptism for the dead. And what Paul is getting ready to do is Paul's getting ready to say, hey, what you're teaching, it makes no sense. And here's why. And then he says, and here's another reason why. And then he says, listen, the reason why you're in the shape you're in is because of the people you're hanging out with. And I will tell y'all, listen to me, guys, cannot stress enough. I will tell you the friends that you keep, it does influence the way that you believe. It does influence the way that you live your life. It does influence. You say it does not have any influence. And I promise you, by me and my, me growing up and already been through it, all right, what Paul is getting ready to say here, it does have an impact within a person's life. I was at an Arby's one time. Most of y'all know this story. But I was at an Arby's and as, as I was there, there was four young men that walked in from one of the high schools that I was doing some of my uh, table talk at. And within the, within the midst of these four guys, one was a Baptist, one was a Catholic, one was like a, a Methodist, and the other one was a Mormon. The, the ones that were non-Mormon, they didn't know that this guy didn't believe the same way that they, they thought he was just like them. Now let me ask you a question. Do we believe that Satan is the brother of Jesus? Well, no. But see, that's what the Mormons believe. And many other strange beliefs as well that are heresy and they do not align with our word. And so Paul, he's getting ready to, 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 to bring this to the forefront. And y'all, it is a very plain, very, a very blunt scripture. So here we go. Verse 29 says this, Else... What shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest that by your rejoicing which I have by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought the be with beasts at, Eph at Ephesus, what advantageth it me? If the dead rise not, let's just eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Then he says this, Be not deceived, I underline that, Be not deceived, evil communication or evil morals corrupt good manners. Awake the, to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. 
He, listen, that, that's pretty, pretty blunt. He's telling them the reason why you're in the shape that you're in is because you have no knowledge. You're, you're not in the Word of God the way that you ought to be in the Word of God. I posted two, two articles the other day that was from YouTube. The guy's name is K-Dub, all right? So if you want to write that down, you can go watch him. His name is K-Dub. It's on YouTube. And what K-Dub does is he goes out and he pulls some of these strange sermons and these strange... So one he pulled would have been from that of Stephen Furtick down in Elevation. And his Christmas message was about that of, yes, Mary and Joseph. But he ties in the birth pains of Mary and he, he equates that with the birth pains of having this vision or having this... And, and, then, and then he takes the Scripture completely and really makes Jesus small and makes him makes man big. Mike Todd's another one. Both of these gentlemen have thousands of people that follow them. And Mike Todd would have a Christmas Eve service. And his service would make that of the story that Stephen Furtick shared with. He makes it even, even worse in the way that he handles God's Word. But there's thousands of people that flock to their church every Sunday. And what Paul is saying there, he's saying, listen, be not deceived. He says this, watch what he says there in verse 29. He says these words, he says, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all. What's the point of baptizing? Listen, they're already saying that the... Re this is what uh, people would say with thinking logically. Are you ready? If the resurrection never happened, then what's the point of baptizing someone anyway? Why do that? And I will tell you today, the reason why I do that, the reason why I believe that you and I, we ought to be baptized, why I do believe that one day uh, I will see Jesus face to face, I do believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead, and I do believe that He sits at the right hand of the Father. Let me tell you why. Because that is my hope. That's, that's where my hope is. My hope lies in that. In 1 Thessalonians, turn there real quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to show you why it is such a big deal. Paul's telling the people of Corinth here, he's saying, listen, if, if there was never a resurrection, then why are you wasting your time? Why are you baptizing for the dead? This makes no sense. But for me, I can tell you, I have my hope in that of the resurrection, and I have hope in knowing that one day I'm going to see some folks again. Watch what he says in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and notice in verse 13. You ready? He says these words. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are dead, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Listen. When you go to the graveyard and you're seeing someone be buried, like my grandmother would have been buried, or like my, uh, my, my grandpa or my great-grandpa or my aunt, or maybe it's a family, a loved I don't know. But if they are a believer in Jesus Christ, then as I stand beside that grave, I do not weep as someone that has no hope. I weep, if I do weep, I weep for only for the sadness of the short time of separation. Because I know that if they're a believer, according to God's Word, and I know that if I'm a believer, I'm going to see them again. I'm going to see them again. Because of why? Because it all, it all spins, it all pivots right off of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If He didn't resurrect Himself, then you ready guys? My hope is in vain. 
It's all about the resurrection. And what happens here is you and I, we're seeing that take place in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 14. Watch what he says. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, I do, even so them which also are dead in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. And I love that. You ought to underline that in your Bible. It's not just Paul saying this. He has given it the emphatic of saying, hey, this is what God said for me to tell you. That we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Hallelujah. And then we which are alive and remain, we shall be caught up with them. I don't know about how y'all are about family reunions. I like family reunions. I've loved them ever since I was a kid. The reason why I loved them as a kid, though, because there's lots of food. But listen, you ready? I love family reunions. People still think it's strange. My grandma's been dead now for... She's been dead for at least seven years, six years, I guess. All right? And grandma, everyone would have said that once my grandmother would have passed, then our families would have kind of dispersed and we would have all went our different ways. And, but listen, guys, ready? This past Christmas, we still had about 45, 50 people there. Because why? Because, man, we, we, we love gathering together, even if it's just that one time a year, being able to say hello to one another, catching up with one another, because we know one day we may not have that opportunity. But you're ready. There's going to be a greater family reunion than that. And that family reunion that I'm looking forward to one day, it's not so much about I just can't wait to see my grandma. No, really what it is is I can't wait to see my Savior. And that as I'm there seeing my Savior, as I'm there, uh, you ready? My hope becomes vision. I'm, I'm, it's reality now. Then as I'm there, then maybe I do get to see my grandma. Maybe I do get to see my aunt. Maybe I do. But I know, I know this, that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I know that there will be a family reunion one day. I know that. And that's where my hope is. What Paul is telling them here in 1 Corinthians is he's saying, listen to me, I want you to understand what you're doing makes no sense. Why would you baptize the dead? Why would you be doing that if you don't even believe in the resurrection? All you're doing is just doing something to be doing something. Notice what he says in 1 Corinthians. He says these words. Let me get back there. I'm going back. He says, for if, if he says, for the dead, if the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? I was watching John MacArthur, and as I was watching John MacArthur, he would say these words. He, he would say just that one verse alone in 1 Corinthians 15, just that one verse has between 40 and 400 opinions as to what that's meaning. Holy smoke. And what happens here is, is so many people get caught up in the fact of what are they talking about and how did this happen and, and, and when did this happen? And really we're missing all of it to understand of what Paul is saying here is Paul is saying, listen, what you're doing makes no sense. It makes no sense. What you've done is you've brought in the ways of the world. You've, you've let it infiltrate your, your teachings and you've embraced it and now you're participating in it and it don't make no sense at all. He says this in verse, verse 30. He says, and why stand we in jeopardy every 
hour. So not only are you and I looking forward to this future reunion, and I am looking forward to that future reunion, but now also he's saying this, you ready? Not, not only because of the resurrection am I looking forward to that future reunion, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm willing to die daily. Guys, listen to me. I have so much assurance in the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that I'm willing to go tomorrow. I'm willing to go the next day. I'm willing to go the next day. I'm willing to stand and willing to base my life off of the truth of that of what, of what, what Paul's speaking about. Every day. You see, but, but in America, I'm not sure that we fully grasp what Paul is talking about. But because he says these words, he says, he says, and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? He says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. Listen to me. You ready? I don't know if you under, uh, I don't know if you understand this or not, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm willing to stake my life on it every day as I take on each day of my life. That's what he's saying. I'm not sure any of y'all felt like you were going to die today. Although I'm some, of, some of you, the way you drive, you probably thought you was going to die today. All right? I know how teenagers drive. The way y'all rolled in here, man, I bet y'all came in two wheels. But anyhow, any uh, of y'all come in in two wheels today? Yeah, see, man, I love that. Listen, okay, this one time I had this two-wheel drive Nissan pickup truck. It was a straight drive, all right? And it, was, it looked like a brown turd, but it was cool. It was an 87 model, and man, I could make that thing hum. And, but the bad part is, is that the church where my church is located at when I was growing up, it was a long, straight stretch. And my, y'all, I could pull in and my dad would go, what in the world? I'd be like, I was running the speed limit. No, you were not. You could hear that thing whining coming all the way down the straight stretch. And when I got to the church, you, you, you'd bring her down, you know, and he'd be like, Scott, the, the, the tires are smoking. What are you doing? I'm like, dad, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just driving it. You know, no, you're not. So listen, you ready? I know some of you may think you've been there, but I'm telling you, listen to me. Hey, are you willing to take it and, and base your life on it? That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, listen, he's saying, listen, this truth is such truth that we are in jeopardy every hour. And he says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. Take your Bibles. Go to Acts chapter 20. I'll show you, I'll show you what he's talking about. Acts chapter 20. That was a cool pickup truck, too. It had 10 inch speakers behind the seat and it had this amp underneath the seat that got real hot and it was like a heated seat it was heated seats before there was heated seats oh it was so cool yeah i felt like i was such a cool kid but it was a brown turd all right so acts chapter 20 start in verse 19 and i'll show you what he's talking about okay acts chapter 20 in verse 19 he says, serving the Lord with all humility in mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lion in wait of the Jews. Now, let me ask you the question. When was the last time that you served the Lord to the point that you were in many tears and you were under many temptations? And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house. I held, listen, I held nothing back. Today, do you realize that many of us, we hold a lot back because we're afraid of what someone may think of us? 
We hold a lot back because we're afraid that maybe someone might unfriend us. We hold a lot back because, man, we just don't want to ruffle no feathers. No, what the problem is, is the listen, ready? They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what Paul's saying here, listen, ready? When I was here in, 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 in Ephesus, I held nothing back. I spoke publicly, I spoke plainly, and you ready guys? And I did it with much tears, and I did it through much temptation. My question is, is how, how uncomfortable have you been with your walk? You say that you believe in the resurrection. You say you believe that there's only one way. You say you believe in there's a hell, and you say you believe that there's a heaven. How uncomfortable are you willing to be for you to say what you say you believe in? Watch, watch, watch what he says. He says, testify in verse 21, both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that thou shalt befall me, befall me there. Say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds, listen to this, and afflictions abide me. Listen, guys, he was totally expendable. He didn't care what it cost him. All he wanted to do is just share the truth about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knew it would matter. Hey, he knew it mattered that much because the encounter that he had in Acts chapter 9 was that big a deal. The question that I would have for many of us in this room, and I would say for many of us in this room, is the encounter that you had with Jesus, did it change your life and did it change it radically? Because listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but I don't find nowhere in God's word that the spirit of God moved into anything and left it the way he found it. And what happens is, is when you and I, when the Spirit of God moves with inside us, when the Spirit of God begins to work through us, walking in the Spirit, abiding in His Word, then what we do is we begin to be burdened for those lost people that we work with or that we go to school with or that we have hobbies with or that we live beside of. And we come burdened so much that we want to do nothing but do what? But just share the truth of God's Word with them at all costs. Say, Pastor Scott, you don't understand. I'll I'll lose. Look, lose it. Lose it. Because I'm going to show you why here in a minute. You ready? Notice what he says. Verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Guys, he doesn't... It blows my mind when you hear talk like that. That's not the way that the American Christianity talks. So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Then he says these words. Watch what he says. Verse 26. Wherefore, I take you to record. This day that I am pure from the blood of all men. That's a, hey, y'all don't underline that. Listen, that's strong words. That means that what he's done is he's done everything that God has called him to do. He has shared with everyone that God has called him to share with. He has, listen, the blood is not on his hands. That's huge. That's strong words. Because let me ask you the question. Could that be said of you? Watch what he does here. 
He says, for I have, I have, listen, I have not shunned to declare unto you all of the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which of the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Go all the way down to verse 34. Ye yourselves also know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, verse 35, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That is, goes against everything that um, the world teaches you. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and he prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. You ready, guys? Strong words. Strong words, words that were with love, but it was truth. And you ready? Paul could care less what happened to his life. Notice another place. You ready? Take, take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 16. I'll show you another one. Acts chapter 16. This goes with the part where he's in Ephesus and they're trying to, and they're trying to, they're trying to kill him. Acts, uh, Acts 16, uh, let me make sure I'm right here. No, no not, not in Ephesus. He, he says this, ready? In verse 5, Acts 16, verse 5. He's in Macedonia. For so were the churches established in faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through... Five, Phrygia, Phrygia, yeah, Phrygia, the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, for they were come to Mysa that uh, they they essayed uh, to go into uh, Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not, and they passing by Messiah came down to Troas. Listen to this, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, "Come." over to Macedonia and help us. Because what he's doing, guys, is you're seeing here, he, he's, he's allowing himself to go wherever it is that the Spirit of God is leading him. He's going wherever it is that God says go. And here's the issue, ready? I had a conversation with someone today. What you and I need to realize is, is where we're at today is where God has us at today. You see, people's all the time like, hey, could, 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 maybe if I went on a mission trip here, or maybe if I went on uh, this trip over there, or maybe, I'll, I'll tell you what, maybe, maybe, no. Where you're at today is where God has you at today, and that's where God wants to use you at today. That's, that's how He does it. You and I, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're, we're the ones that are taking the message to that of the lost. What's the message? Death, burial, resurrection. That's the message at all cost. He says this. Go back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. He says, if at, if, if verse, 30, verse 32, he says, if after the manner of men I have fought with the beast at Ephesus, all right, and that, that's talking about the time that he's in Ephesus. Well, there's also multiple debates here as well. Some say, uh, well, let's start with the, the one that I would believe. The one that I, I believe to be true according to God's word would be that it's metaphorical, I guess is the right word, and that is that the people were like angry beasts. If you go and you read the account where Paul 
uh, is in Ephesus when, when he just got, listen, it's just when he got saved and there uh, th- they began to come against him and it says they were like madmen and some of them were rioting and they didn't even know why they were rioting. They were just coming against Paul to be coming against Paul and they had to lower him down. They had to hide him. And so what he's doing here is he's saying, hey, you ready? I had to fight beast because of this message. Now, there's others that believe that Paul would have been uh, found uh, within that of the Colosseum. He would have been fighting lions and he would have been. But the problem with that would be some some scholars would say the problem in that is, is this. You ready? He was a he was a Roman citizenship. He would have not found himself placed in that of the Colosseum because of his Roman citizenship. And he used his Roman citizenship through that of the Sharon uh, several times. And so what happens here is, is he's telling him, he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm willing to go to the ends. And my question to you would be this. You ready? I, I know that as you're. Your mom and dad would love to continue to see you as being children, all right? The, the problem is, is that everyone in this room is young adults. And, and the question that I would have to pose to you is this, is that as a believer that is a young adult, when is it that you are going to start sharing about your faith? When, when will you start sharing to others about your faith? When? I I will tell you, when I was your age, I kept saying, well, maybe when I'm 20, maybe when I'm 21, I blamed it on the church. I said it was the church's fault that I didn't know how to share the gospel. And I had a professor that hit me with a wiffle ball bat and he hit me hard. And he says, how dare you? Don't you ever blame the church for not teaching you how to share the gospel? You have the spirit of God that's living inside you. You have no excuse as to not share the gospel. And I didn't say that no more. And the, and, and the question is posed is this, is that if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real and the, res, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is reality, so if that resurrection is true and He defeated death, and that is the only way for someone to be able to get to heaven is by putting their faith in the one that was resurrected from the dead, then my question is, is why don't we talk about it? Why don't we talk about it? And Paul's saying, listen, I talk about it and I don't care if I die tomorrow. I will not shut up about it. I'm just going to keep sharing the truth. And that too should be your and it should be my mindset as well. He says this, he says, not only did he fight beasts, Sophia, he says this, he says, he says, not only beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat, drink, and tomorrow we die. He said, listen, if, if the resurrection is not true, then let's just eat and drink and be merry. Kind of like, you ready? Kind of like the man over in Luke. The rich young ruler, the rich fool. He says this, you know what? I'm just going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns and I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. Why, listen, why continue to do what I'm doing? Why continue to do what Pastor Chris is doing? Why continue to do the things that you're doing by you sharing the gospel? Listen, if the resurrection is not real, then let's just close the book and let's go to the house. We're wasting our time. I've often wondered as a minister, okay? I've often wondered what it would be like to be able to come to church and just be able to come to church. It's been a long time since I've been able to do that. Just come to church and just be at church. But you ready, guys? 
I don't want to do that. The reason why is this, is because I know, there's, I know there's people out there that needs to hear the truth. I know there's people out there that needs to hear the gospel. Listen to me. I know you have friends that are dying and going to hell, and I know you could have an influence within their life. But the question lies here. You ready? Is the world influencing you so much that it's keeping you from sharing the truth of that of God's Word? Watch what he says. You ready? He says this in verse uh, 33. Thomas, doing good. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. That's said three times for, for, for just time's sake. If you want to write it within your notes, the be not deceived is said three other times. One time in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Another time the words be not deceived is said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. We've already looked at that. Another time where it says, be not deceived, would be found in Luke chapter 21 and verse 8. And what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, you need to be so aware of your surroundings that you will not be overtaken by that of false teaching or by that of a false, a, a, a false understanding of that of God's Word. So aware of it. And the only way that you and I can do that, listen, the only way that you and I can do that, no, I won't touch your Bible. The only way we can do that is this way, you ready? I asked a lot of students today. I said, listen, how many, how many of y'all read your Bibles over Christmas break? About half. All right, now remember, that's a Christian school, all right? When Christian school people, they, they all in the Bible every day. About half. About half. Some did not pick up their Bibles at all over Christmas break. It, it blows my mind that you guys are having such struggles within your life, you claim to be a Christian, the one source that could help you in your walk is the Bible, and that's the one thing you don't pick up. Makes no sense. You want direction in your life, but you won't pick up the Bible to get the direction. You would rather do what? I don't know, call a friend. I, I don't know. But you and I need to understand something. In order for us to not be deceived, we have to know what the truth is. You have to know it. Or you'll fall prey. And let me tell you where, where you're going to fall prey at. You're going to go off to college, okay? Or you're going you're to leave the house. You have been at South River Baptist Church, some of you from day one. And you're going to come under that of a teacher or that of a teaching and you're going to embrace it to be truth because they said it was truth. And the only reason why you'll fall prey to it is because you never picked up God's Word or you picked up God's Word so seldom that you don't know what the truth is. Yeah, you know there's a death, burial, and resurrection. Well, so does Satan. He's very aware of that. But do you know the truth so that when you hear a lie then you're able to go, that's false. Listen, I loved it when I was at Snowbird uh, last summer. And I had several of my students come to me and say, hey, I have a question about this. I like that. That's, that, means, that means there's some of you that, that are listening. I had another person today tell me that someone was going to go off to this conference. And I will tell you, when I heard where they're going to, I'm going, what? That is not a good place to go. But then they told me which of their kids were going. And then I'm going, oh, they'll be fine. Because they're solid within their walk that they're able to go, nope, that's false. Nope, that's true. There is some truth there.
But there's a lot of faults as well. And guys, listen to me. My encouragement to you is this. Be not deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be overtaken because he says these words. Watch what he says. He says, evil communication corrupts good manners. Let me read it in this other Bible. You ready? He says this. He says in in verse 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I'll do it again. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's pretty, pl- that's pretty plain, right? So, so let me ask you real quick. Take an inventory of your friends. How many are believers? Most of you hang out with people that you don't even know if they're saved or lost because you failed to even ask that question. But the question would lies here. You ready? The friends that you are hanging out with, you as a believer, my question is, is are they having an impact in the way, are you having an impact on their life? You ought to be having an impact on their life. You ought to be bringing change. You ought to be bring, exposing some of their, their falsehoods. But the problem is, is you ready? For many of us, we're falling into verse 34, the last part. And, and you ready, guys? And our impact is very little. Watch what he does here. He says this. Uh, verse 33, if you want to write beside there, Psalm 1. Great place to go to about being um, that of, of, of hanging out with, with, with certain people. Verse 34, awake to righteousness. Awake. Uh, wake up uh, to that of living a righteous life. And sin not. Now y'all look, we all sin. What he's saying is he's saying, listen, what you need to do is stop continuing sinning. Hold on, you ready? For anyone that says that we're not a sinner, we make God a liar. Okay, I know that. What I'm saying is it's someone that continually does what the Corinth people are doing, the people of Corinth, and that is they're, they're habitually. He's saying, listen, wake up and, and begin to live a righteous life. Sober up as you should and stop sinning. Sober up. How, how do you sober up? Well, you, I've never been an alcoholic. All right, but I can tell you this, the way that you sober up is you have to quit drinking the alcohol. Sober up. That means come to your senses. Oh, I I know a great verse there. You ready? A good verse would be Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 17, 18, and 19. And he says this word, Do not be drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God, singing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. Hey, you ready? That, that's how you would sober yourself up. I love what John Bowman said the other day. All right, is a Facebook post that, that he had. And it's just, hey, if we're honest with ourselves and we're growing within our walk, and that is this, is that, that he had to mark out something that he had written in his Bible that at one time he thought was true, and now he knows it's false. And he marks it out, and he says, but that marking out doesn't ugly up his Bible. What that does is that teaches him that you're ready. There's some things in our lives that we think is true that ain't true. Not according to God's Word. They may be true to you, but they ain't true according to God's Word. Or they may be true to some teacher that taught you that. And he says this. That's some beautiful music. Here we go. And he says this. For some have no knowledge of God. And I say this to your shame. Some, some have no knowledge. 
Some of you will go through this student ministry. You'll go through all the way. You'll graduate and you'll leave with the same knowledge that you came with. Some have no knowledge of God. And the problem is, is that you put on a front, you put on a show, you know how to be religious, you know how to be, and you're ready. And even in that, you may bring in some of the heresies, you may bring in some of the false teachings, but hey, you ready? But you have an appearance. And what he's saying here to these people, these people that were baptizing for the dead, he's saying, listen, some of you, y'all have no knowledge of God. And I say that, I say that to shame you. I say that to say this, to challenge you to do this. Don't be deceived. How do you not become deceived? You stay in his word. Well, okay, wait a minute. If I stay in his word, Cody, then you know what happens in my life now? I gain knowledge in God. I begin to work. See there, there's that word that they wouldn't let me use for grow. Uh, That is W-U-K. I have wisdom because of understanding, which comes from knowledge. I have wisdom. Guys, you want to be a wise individual, but you only become wise as you have what? As you have understanding, which comes from knowledge. You must do it that that way. That's what you need. That's what 